We're continuing our study through the book of 1 Samuel. You'll remember that the theme of Samuel is seeking after God's own heart. God said of David, I have sought out a man after my own heart. And we're learning principles through 1 Samuel by which, through grace, we too can become people after God's own house. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 18. We're going to look at a narrative this morning that perhaps gives us a picture of the deepest friendship among two men in all of Scripture. We desperately need models of friendship. Perhaps at no other time in our lives have we needed such a model. Much has been written about how the pandemic has affected culture. And one of the ways that we've seen the pandemic affect culture is actually good. We've seen people hungering more for relationship, more for friendship as a result of going through the pandemic. Before the pandemic, researchers have discovered, many of our relationships were quite superficial. We didn't talk at a heart level to very many folks. We talked about life, we talked about issues, but we really didn't share what was going on in us because of the issues. And they, of course, found this even more true of most men. When we went through the pandemic and we weren't able to meet with friends all the time, we had to adjust in so many ways. We had to use Zoom and FaceTime and things like that. But a strange thing happened studies reveal, that even on Zoom calls, things were starting to go deeper. Rather than just idle chit-chat, people had deep things to talk about. There were families who lost loved ones, and they had to wait a year for a funeral. There were husbands and wives that were thrown together when they're normally going off to work. <laughs> and they didn't like each other very much. And some marriages broke up. People were talking about the challenges of virtual education and schooling. And people began to share not just about life, but they began to share their hearts. And coming out of the pandemic, there's a hunger for more substance in our friendships. We're going to look this morning at perhaps the most substantial friendship, at least one of them, in all of Scripture, the friendship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was King Saul's son. And Jonathan was watching David in the previous chapter, 
where David went to Goliath and defeated him. Jonathan heard how David talked about the Lord and about the church. And as the verse on the bumper video revealed, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. We've talked throughout this series how we can seek after God's heart through community. And, and that's great and that's really important. But at a whole nother level, we're going to learn this morning that we seek after God's heart through deep, intimate friendship. Deep, intimate friendships reveal and reflect the heart of God to us like practically nothing else. Seeking God's heart through deep friendship. I want to ask yourselves a question before we read the text. How many truly deep friendships do you have? Now, I'm talking deep. In other words, in an entire lifetime, you might only have one or two or three such friendships. Does anybody come to mind? As we go through this morning, we're going to talk about not merely pursuing deep friendships, because all of us long for deep friendships. But how often do we focus on being a Jonathan? We all want a Jonathan in our lives, but how often do we focus on becoming a Jonathan? And that's what the text is going to teach us this morning. So let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. I'm actually going to read from two different chapters. 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5, and then 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 7. This is God's word. As soon as he, that is David, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, this is when David actually has Goliath's head in his hands, talking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, David, and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt." And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now turn over to 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 7. My, how things change. And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. 
And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David. And Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul. And he was in his presence as before. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. And he wants us to even more deeply comprehend and experience His love through the means of deep, intimate, biblical friendship. Let's pray. Father, would you, by your Spirit, work in our hearts this morning. And by your grace, might we become people who pursue deep, intimate, biblical friendship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. First thing we need to say is that deep friendships don't just happen. Isolation just happens. Deep friendships have to be intentionally pursued. Deep friendships have to be developed. So we're going to look at three qualities to pursue that lead to developing intimate friendship. First of all, pursue deep friendship by developing connection. Again, Jonathan saw something in David that he connected with. They had chemistry. They clicked. That's part of developing a deep friendship. You're not going to have a deep friendship with someone with whom you don't click. You don't have chemistry. So look what happened as Jonathan was exposed to David's heart, David's courage, David's passion for Christ. It says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. That, of course, means to be, to be tied to to be bound up with. It was a deep heart and soul connection. It wasn't Alabama or Auburn football. It wasn't some shallow interest. They connected at a heart level. For lack of a better term, they became soul mates. Now, when we talk about soul mates... We often talk about men and women. We often talk about marriage. But this is talking about a friendship between two men. 
You know, one of the real, I guess, laments of our culture and all of the talk about homosexuality is it has really caused some men and women to pull back, to feel uncomfortable to talk about true intimacy with someone of the same gender. And as a result, Satan is having a field day in the church. God wants us to experience Trinitarian connection. See, the the Christian has the greatest apologetic in the world for intimacy. God created us in His image. The triune God. One God, three persons, equal in honor and glory, but distinct in personhood. And so for all eternity, relational intimacy has existed. The Father adores the Son. The Son adores the Father. The Spirit experiences infinite intimacy with the Father and Son and all those combinations. And God created us in His image. Yes, first to experience intimacy vertically. But God also created us to experience intimacy horizontally. Some of us, God calls to marriage. And of course, we want there to be intimacy in marriages. But God has created us for more intimacy than that. God wants us to experience same gender intimacy with a deep connection with deep friends. It says in verse 1 that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And then the author repeats it in verse 3. David loved him as his own soul. Jonathan was drawn to David. Jonathan had a deep affection for David. By the way, this word love is never used in the Scriptures to describe homosexuality. It's used to describe love for God, love for spouses, and David's love, and Jonathan's love for each other. It's also used in the book of Ruth. I'll get to that in a minute. So David and Jonathan developed a connection. Now part of it was just God's providence. Part of it was just God's sovereignty. And so if you don't have at least one deep, intimate, biblical friendship with a person of the same gender, then ask God for that gift. God brought David and Jonathan together. One of the reasons they clicked is they had some things in common. They both had a passion for the Lord. They both had a passion for the church. They both trusted God and believed they could risk for God. In 1 Samuel 14, we read that Jonathan and his armor bearer snuck up upon the camp of the enemy, the Philistines. 
And Jonathan expresses his trust and love for God and says to his armor bearer, God is not limited to say by many or by few. Let's go up. Perhaps the Lord will give them into our hands. And with just two people, God struck down the Philistines. And then we come to 1 Samuel 17. And all Israel is afraid of the giant, Goliath. And David comes up and says, who is this that taunts the armies of the living God? And David speaks of his love for God, his trust in God. And David risks for the church. And God gives him the victory. David and Jonathan had that connection. The connection, first of all, for the Christian is vertical. It's with God. If you don't have intimacy with God, you'll never have it with another human being. Can I say that again? If you don't have intimacy with God, you will never have it with another human being. But if you're growing in intimacy with God, you can develop intimacy with others. I use all the time the illustration of a triangle. And God is at the apex. And I'm down here in one corner, and a friend is here at the other corner. And in this triangle, if both people are moving closer to God, they're getting more connected with each other. That's true in marriage. That's true in deep friendships. Produce, pursue deep friendship by developing connection. See, we're talking about holy love here. We're talking about godly love here. Let me ask you, does it make you a little uncomfortable? If it does, why? There, there's nothing untoward here. There's nothing amiss here. This is pure, holy, godly affection, love, and intimacy between two men. We see the same thing in the book of Ruth between two women. Ruth is a love story. When I say that, what do you think of? I'm sure most of us, if we know the book of Ruth... We think of the love story where God brings Ruth and a man named Boaz together and they get married. And it actually produces the line of David. The word love is only used one time in the book of Ruth. And the one time it's used has nothing to do with Ruth and Boaz. It's where the people of the town recognize how deeply intimate is Ruth's love for Naomi. In verse 1 of chapter 19, we learn that Saul wanted to kill David, but Jonathan delighted much. He was fond of, he was pleased with, he took great pleasure in having David as his friend. Folks, you may feel uncomfortable this morning, which is a real shame, but apart 
from deep, intimate, biblical relationships with people of the same gender, you will not be a healthy person. You won't be healthy spiritually. You won't be healthy emotionally. You won't be healthy psychologically. And as I'll get to later, you won't even be healthy physically. One deep, intimate, biblical, godly friendship can change your life. Jonathan is the pursuer here. In 2 Samuel 1, we learn that Jonathan and Saul are killed in battle. And David writes a lament. And this is what David writes. Verse 26 of 2 Samuel 1. He's writing of Jonathan. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Realize, there's nothing romantic here between Jonathan and David. Nonetheless, David writes, your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Women, do you have a holy, godly, intimate, biblical relationship with another woman of whom you could say your love for me is extraordinary? It surpasses the love of men. Men, can you write or say of anyone in your life, your love for me is extraordinary. It surpasses the love of women. Are you experiencing that? Ask God for it. Because he made us for it. Pursue deep friendship by developing connections. Secondly, pursue deep friendship by developing commitment. Verse 3 of chapter 18, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. It's not enough to have chemistry. It's not enough just to click. It's not enough to have all kinds of things in common. Biblical intimacy involves commitment. Getting back to Ruth, I am fairly sure that most of us have been to weddings, and Ruth 1, 16 and 17 was used in the wedding ceremony. I mean, it's a beautiful expression of love and commitment. The ironic thing, it has nothing to do with the love between a man and a woman. It has nothing to do with a man committing himself to a woman. 
it is a woman, Ruth, expressing her covenant commitment of love to Naomi. Let me read it to you because I think you've heard it. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. That's commitment. That's covenant love. And in the context, it has nothing to do with marriage, but deep biblical intimacy, one woman with another in absolute purity. Commitment involves actions. And we see the actions in Jonathan's life. Look at verse 4 of chapter 18. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. In essence, Jonathan is giving up his right to the throne and giving the prince's robe to David. By the way, can you think of anyone else who has done that? Jesus allowed himself to be stripped. He who knew no sin became sin through the new covenant in his blood that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus stripped himself of his robe of righteousness and gives it to those who have put their trust in Christ. Covenantal commitment is sacrificial. I don't think it would be going too far as the text goes on to say that Jonathan also gave David his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. I don't think it's going too far to say this is really uh, pointing to, to vulnerability as well. Jonathan was making himself completely vulnerable before David. Men and women, do you have a deep, biblical, intimate friendship with someone of the same gender with whom you are absolutely vulnerable, transparent, truly authentic? You'll never really be healthy until you do. And then I want us to notice and not miss verse 5. Jonathan pursues David with this covenant commitment of love. And look at the result. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. Deep biblical intimacy propels us into our part of the story. We need those kinds of friendships to catapult us 
into the part that God's given us to play. I'm sure so many of us are familiar with uh, the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Unless you're living on Mars, uh, it's about this hobbit named Frodo Baggins, and it concerns an evil ring of power that threatens to undo the whole world, and the ring must be destroyed. It was forged in Mount Doom, uh, a place of great evil and blackness and darkness, and Frodo Baggins is the one who is chosen to bear the ring. But bearing the ring is very heavy because the ring seeks to destroy whoever bears it. There's a fellowship surrounding Frodo, and time and time and time again, evil seeks to destroy them. Frodo can't stand seeing his friends in danger. And so he decides that he's going to leave the group and set off for Mordor alone to put no one else at risk. Now, there was a wizard named Gandalf, and Frodo had a really good friend named Samwise Gamgee. And Gandalf pulled Sam aside at the very beginning of the adventure and says, Sam, do not leave him. Do not lose him. Swear to me, promise me that you will stay committed to Frodo. As Frodo then is leaving the group and going down the river, he hears this rustling off the bank Sticks breaking, leaves flying up in the air, and out tumbles Sam. Sam runs to the edge of the water and shouts out to Frodo, stop, wait. And Frodo says, no, I'm going to Mordor alone. And Sam says, of course you are, and I'm going with you. And then Sam begins to wade into the water. And Frodo says, Sam, you can't swim. Undeterred, Sam continues to walk in the water. He's covered up. He starts flailing, splashing violently. He's drowning because it's true. He can't swim. Frodo desperately rows over and picks him up and puts him in the boat and looks at him as if to say, what in the world? Why? And listen to Sam's response. I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, Gandalf said. And I don't mean to, Frodo. I don't mean to. If you've read the stories, you know that eventually the ring is destroyed. Frodo, Frodo can't even make it up the mountain. And Sam can't carry the ring. And he says to Frodo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And he carries Frodo up to the mountain. Those of us who know the stories probably think that Frodo's the hero. 
of the books. A really good case can be made that Frodo's not the hero. That Sam is. Because Sam would have never made it. Frodo would have never made it without Sam. Do you have someone in your life that is so committed to you that from a human perspective you couldn't make it without them? See, that's not unspiritual. It's actually a gift that God wants us to experience. Pursue deep friendship by developing connection. Pursue deep friendship by developing commitment. And then thirdly, pursue deep friendship by developing concern. You can't have deep biblical intimacy unless you're deeply concerned for another. Now, after uh, 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 5, the whole rest of the chapter is Saul going berserk. He's tormented by an evil spirit, and the evil spirit is trying to compel Saul to kill David. He tries several times. And then we come to 1 Samuel 19, and in verse 1, we learn that Saul commanded Jonathan and his men to kill David. But verse 1 tells us, but Saul's son, Jonathan, delighted in David. See, when you're a friend, you take great delight in someone's well-being. You're concerned about them physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, in every way. You share a concern. And so in verse 2 of chapter 19, Jonathan tells David, be on your guard. Hide. Deep, intimate friends have each other's backs. They seek to protect each other in every way possible. In verse 3, Jonathan says, I will speak to my father about you. That's what deep friends do as well. We don't speak to Saul. But if we're really concerned for another's well-being and the flourishing of their lives, we speak to our father about them. Do you have friends that just because you're concerned for them and love them that you pray for constantly. It's not a duty. They're just on your mind. Do you have those friends? And then he speaks to his father, Saul, and defends the good name and reputation of David. Intimate friends are concerned about the name and the reputation of those they're committed to. And then it's interesting in verse 7, we learn that Saul listens to Jonathan, but the author, the Holy Spirit, repeats Jonathan's name three times. <laughs> Once would be enough. Jonathan did this, did this, and did that. But that's not what the text says. The text says, Jonathan called David. Jonathan reported to David. Jonathan brought David. In other words, the Holy Spirit's telling us that all that's happening to David from a human perspective is because of Jonathan's concern for David. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. You see, deep friends long for their friend 
to flourish, to be restored in every way possible. See, what if David would have been the typical lonely leader? From a human perspective, he might have been killed. But David opened his life to true masculine intimacy. And Ruth opened her life. And Naomi opened her life to true feminine intimacy. The very fact of the matter is, very few of us have opened our hearts to masculine or feminine intimacy. A study that was quoted in Slate Magazine says that loneliness has doubled in the past 40 years. 40% of all adults claim they struggle deeply with loneliness. And loneliness carries consequences. Studies of elderly people conclude that those without deep friendships are twice as likely to die early. Listen to this. The increased mortality risk from loneliness is comparable to that of smoking. Lack of intimate friendship is the new smoking. It's twice as dangerous as obesity to your health. Social isolation impairs immune function. It boosts inflammation, which leads to arthritis, diabetes, and heart disease. Loneliness is not just making us sick. It's killing us. There's one friendship that can deeply change our lives. It's with Jesus. Jesus is the new and better Jonathan, who gave up not only his robe, but everything out of commitment to us. He made a new covenant in his blood. He's deeply connected to us by virtue of the Holy Spirit. We have been united to Christ. And Jesus cares deeply about everything that concerns us. Jesus is our truest and best friend. John 15, 13 to 15, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus told the disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Jesus is called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The first step to deep, intimate, godly friendship is friendship with Jesus. As you surrender to Jesus, as you experience his friendship, you begin to understand what true biblical intimacy is. At this table, we get to experience a fresh intimacy with our deepest and best friend, Jesus. The night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body 
given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, given for the remission of sins of many. Drink from it, all of you, and give thanks. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being our friend. We thank you that we'll never have intimacy with anyone more than you. Thank you that you're the Jonathan that initiates, that pursues, that knits your soul to our souls. Thank you for your deep concern for us. So God, take these elements, set them apart from their common use, and use them as means of grace to make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.